Welcome to the Pin Leader Podcast, where strategic leaders get straight to the topics, strengthening our awareness and sharpening our minds. The Pin Leader Podcast is produced by Roar, a production division of Maze and Associates LTD. Find out more at www.maysassociatesltd.com. Now here is your award-winning host, Dr. Shan DeGore. And welcome back to the Pen Leader Podcast. And today our subject area is higher learning leadership, higher learning leadership, higher education, creating the next generation of leaders in our country, but also creating the next generation of leaders in higher education. And I have an expert with me, someone who's been training leaders for a number of years, Dr. Deborah Brace, who is an associate professor at the Judith Herb College of Education at the University of Toledo. She teaches courses in student development, curriculum, research inquiry, organization and management of student affairs, history of higher ed, assessment, evaluation, and research in higher education. And she has more than 23 years experience in higher ed. She previously taught at the University of Southern Mississippi and prior to that was a research fellow at Wabash College. Dr. Brace received her bachelor's in English, master's in education, a PhD in higher education from Indiana University. And I'm gonna let her talk a little bit about her interest areas, but I'm so glad to have her with me. Welcome, Dr. Brace. Thank you, I'm very glad to be here. Yes, so could you explain a little bit about uh, your interest areas and, and higher ed and leadership overall and your experiences? Sure. Um, I'd say my interest areas are really in, they're twofold. One is teaching and learning. I think that being a good teacher is very important and helping students learn is, is important to me. And then my second area of interest is really in development, helping students develop. And within that is part of that is well-being, not only helping them develop personally, but develop a sense of well-being in their lives. It's a- it sounds like you're very passionate about those two major areas. I am. I am. They they drive me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about students, it's not necessarily coming out of high school and going into college, undergraduate. You're teaching non many non traditional leaders that could be leaders already, right? I do. I do. My interest, though, in college students started years ago uh, in college because I like the college environment and I like the age group of college students, young and older, because to me, it's developmentally very important time of life for young people and a time that you can help shape them. And so I've just always gravitated to that age group, young college and young, older adults. It's interesting because I was doing some research on what's trending right now in higher education. There's a number of discussions about where higher education is going, if you need higher higher education, who should even go to college. It's interesting to watch the conversations. And so I know research.com reported there's a number of trends. They, the top 11 trends in higher ed, uh, there's an increase in the number of students of color. There's an increase in non-traditional students mental health awareness, embracing actually artificial intelligence, online learning, closing skill gaps, international students, and then needing funding alternatives, and then this massive like open uh, source in education. Those are the major trends. And I was going to say, can you speak to what you're seeing in trends, especially from leaders that need to lead higher educational institutions? Sure. Yeah, that's a 
A good question. I think from my perspective as a faculty member, one of the biggest trends I see is the, the coming of AI, or AI is here, artificial intelligence. It's really now about how we're using it and how it, how it will be used and preparing for that. And I think there's a lot of question about that, um, especially at the leadership level, like questions of ethics, and the, it, it is here to stay. So we have to find a way to to use it wisely and to help students do the same thing. So AI is definitely on the front page of change. That, and I do see, you know, prior to COVID, we had a much more traditional setup in, in the college. And now I see a lot more online education. I see it becoming more popular and also shifting the culture of education to thinking differently about teaching and learning. So leaders have to be prepared for these shifts. That, and I do see a lot more older, non-traditional returning students than I have in the last 10 years. Could you explore that a little bit more because of the leaders who are going into coursework to become better leaders in higher education, and you're seeing this trend that you just mentioned, what are some of the qualities that you're seeing that may have changed? You've been doing this for a number of years What are you seeing with the qualities that are successful leaders coming out of these programs? Well, I'm not sure if this speaks to equality, but one thing I do see is the need for future leaders to be aware of the type of young person they're dealing with, meaning I help students understand other students from a generational perspective. So if you're a leader of an institution, it helps to understand the people that are coming through your doors. And having a generational perspective helps you understand how they may develop develop differently. So, for instance, I'm a Gen Xer, Mm -hmm. and I have Mm -hmm. the characteristics Mm -hmm. of a Gen X person, just as you are probably a Gen X as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So it helps a leader. Um, For instance, it helps me in my classrooms understand who is in my classroom and to understand them from their generational characteristics, because then I can... I can create activities and assignments that speak to their particular interests, their needs. So I think I think someone sitting in a leadership position needs to understand that and needs to understand their how their institution meets the needs of different generations. So for instance, in my classes right now, I have I have students who are probably I have had baby boomers, I have Generation X, I have millennials, and now I have Gen Z. And eventually, you know, if I stay in it long enough, I'm going to have Generation Alpha. So I think it's it's helpful to think about what their different needs are. And not only that, but how they themselves view issues, because it's very different than how you or I may view issues. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's important as a leader to have a, a finger on the pulse of that. Well, I can say that from trending, from my days of teaching, being an instructor at the both the undergraduate and the graduate level, these trends that I mentioned, not even a thought. Artificial intelligence was not even coming on board yet. And having virtual reality, that was another trend that came up. VR, we wouldn't even, that wasn't even a discussion point. So having leaders that are versed or understand those trends, that wasn't a demand. When we look at nationally, what does it seem to you that these programs, because how many programs are there 
Well, nationally, there's in higher education, there's about 280 higher education administration leadership programs. Overall, if you're just talking about leadership in general, there's probably about 100 more, so roughly 380 programs. Okay. In those programs, they need to be understanding the trends and preparing that next generation of leaders that are currently either in higher ed already or are going or have a desire to become leaders in higher ed. You know, what advisement, these trends come and they come and go, but what advisement would those that are helping create the next generation, what do you advise them to do? Well, I think one thing that's really important, and I've seen it in my own life and reflecting on myself as a leader of a program and a leader of students is that leaders who are preparing to be leaders and those who are in position of leadership have to be flexibly minded. You have to be not only forward thinking, but you have to be very adaptable and reactive to the environment, reactive and proactive. You, you won't serve yourself well or the people you're leading if you get stuck in your viewpoint, stuck in your way, stuck in your opinion when life continues to move on. I caught myself doing that a few years ago when we shifted in the pandemic and I was forced to go fully online as an instructor and, you know, as a faculty member. And it was, I fought that a little bit. And then I realized, well, this is, this is what's happening. I have to get a grasp on it and then I have to become good at it. You know, I was used to teaching a certain way and I was relatively good. I was comfortable in my role. Well, the role shifted and I had to shift too. And I also have to help prepare others for the same because our world moves at a very fast pace. It's not going to change. And good leaders have to, they have to be adaptable. Mm -hmm. They have to move and be willing to change with times. It's interesting because when we talk about pen leaders, we talk about that ability to have a plan, the strength of being able to weather change. And we talk about the ability for individuals to have a the sharpness to keep sharp in your particular area. So if you're leading a whole institution of higher ed, and again, there are different types, there's private, there's profitable, nonprofit, higher educational institutions. But there seems to be a theme across all of them that those that are led by those that are more self-aware that they need to stay in the trends, they seem to do the best in their, in their enrollment and understanding their target audience. Yeah, I think that the point that you raised of being self-aware is really important as a leader. I mean, as a person in general, but as a leader, it's critically important so that you understand your yourself and within the environment, you know, how you yourself are reacting to change. And when you can reflect on your own strengths and weaknesses, your reactions to what's happening, I think it makes you a much stronger leader. And it also helps you help other people do the same thing. I think awareness is just, it's so important. Yeah, the self-aware um, leader. So there gets to the point where you're also battling ego, right? There could be yes. <laughs> ego situations where having someone come in to help guide you becoming more self-aware. And do you find in trending when you see those students who are currently leaders that come into your program that want to be stronger leaders, do you go through this self-awareness? Do you make recommendations to them when they go off graduate from your program, become leaders, maybe of institutions, uh, in uh, divisions within institutions, you know, how do you help them or advise them concerning that self-awareness? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I haven't I haven't thought about that as much as I should and will from now on. <laughs> as a matter of fact, um, but one thing I will say is I'm currently working with a new cohort of doctoral students. They just started, and one practice I do with them is I have them reflect, and they write reflective papers. I ask them to reflect on their own personal challenges with things, for instance, like getting feedback on a paper. Because you brought up the the concept of ego, and ego, our own ego, often gets in the way of our own progress. So for instance, if, if I give students feedback on how to improve a paper or maybe how to shift perspective, some people get very touchy with that. That is a roadblock, I think, to success because you have to be willing as a leader to listen to what other people say, even if it hurts your ego. You have to be willing to push aside that ego and really, really listen and, and, and to think about it, to be discerning in what people tell you. But if you're not able to, to do that, and, to, and not only that, but to be self-aware of when you're reacting poorly, even if you don't say it, but if you're, if you're feeling it, that's like a red flag, like, oh, maybe I, mm-hmm. maybe I need to change the way I'm thinking about this or that. I think that's really important, and I I do try to help students do that because I myself have had to do it, and years and years of working on that. I'm a work in progress. (laughs) I think every good educator is a work in progress. Those are constantly looking to broaden their, even their educational toolkit, Mm -hmm. uh, where they're pulling information and, you know, those that are reading on top of their craft. I think it's so very important. And if you look at it that way, we're always learning. I think it's very helpful, but it does take a check and ego to be able to do that. Uh, Our firm, we've worked with a number of clients across uh, industries, but we have in higher education is one of our areas because we have a number of associates that are that come from higher education. There's such joy in having leaders who are excited about the work they do, mm-hmm. that are self-reflective, that are self-aware, and it just makes our role to help them mm-hmm. so much better because they they are very self-aware and they know the importance of the role that they play. To say thank you to a former professor of mine, Ed St. John. He uh, was with me when I was at Indiana and he was my chair and advisor. And he was critical in teaching his students about the art and the importance of self-reflection. And I remember in one of his classes, it was on professional development in higher ed, and he had us read a book by Schoen, and I can't for the life of me think of his first name, but it was sort of a life changer for me. And it was about the importance of reflection in a leader, and especially the importance of reflection in in making like moral decisions, for instance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it taught me how powerful the role of self-reflection is in making changes, because without that, you don't, if you're not able to reflect on yourself and a situation that's occurring, you're, you're missing 50% of the picture. Because what if it's you that's the problem, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're getting in your own way of solving that problem, for instance. Anyway, Ed St. John, he really opened my eyes to the importance of that. And um, I even remember some of the activities he had us do in class would at one point he had us write down a conversation with someone that didn't go well in our role on campus and at at that time I think I was working in financial aid I was a grad assistant and and I remember a conversation with a parent 
that didn't go well. And we had to script it out and we had to look at our role in the conversation and figure out where and at what points along the way we could have done something differently. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really an assignment that changed my view of the self. Mm-hmm. Like really, uh, I can't even tell you how powerful it was. Obviously it was because that would have been in probably the year 2000, 2001, mm-hmm. and it's now 23, mm-hmm. and I still think about that. I think that's something that is a good recommendation for anyone, especially of having these interactions. From a communications, effectively communicating with another party, especially in difficult conversations, mm-hmm. and financial aid is probably one of the most difficult conversations that you're having, especially if not with a parent who's exploring but actually with a student who may be struggling with concerning that financial aid. You know, what are the characteristics? And you've just outlined that just in a beautiful way on, on one tool that we should be doing, uh, and that's exploring what conversations we're having. What other characteristics would you say a leader that you think is effective could come out of the program and should have to be effective in whatever role they're playing in higher ed? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, too. I think I have to reflect on myself to help me think about that. But I, I think a good leader has to have integrity. They have to walk. They have to walk rightly. And by that, I mean their own sense of themselves and what's important to them and walk the walk of that and not speak out of two sides of your mouth. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think, well, I know this. It means that you can become very unpopular. However, if you know that you are doing the right thing that aligns with proper values and judgment and discernment, then that's okay. But you have to have personal integrity, I think, to be a good leader, uh, which also means you have to have character, mm-hmm. the ability to align your personal values with uh, you know, a mission, for instance, uh, to lead a university or just to lead your own life. But I think character and I also think judgment and wisdom, discernment are critically important. And I, I would, again, I'd add self-awareness. You have to be aware of yourself in the environment and aware of the environment, you know, and, and what's going on in the larger environment too. But definitely character, integrity, and um, self-awareness and judgment. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I know that when we talk about pin leaders, those that that strength, like you said, the sharpness and the, and again being able to to lead in a straight, uh, meaning that others can follow, understanding even where you're going with planning and and the like. You know that has really been a, a critical part of the conversation. I think even you're outlining the characteristics. Uh, if you could give advice to anyone who wants to lead an institution, and I think, you know, those characteristics play a part, but wants to lead an institution over the next three to four years, knowing that there's so much going on with these trends I mentioned, what are the ones, uh, what advice would you give an individual who's coming out of a program, a leadership program in higher ed? Well, I'm not sure this is advice, but one thing I would ask them, I would ask you know, and I do ask my students, what is your motivation for wanting to lead? If your motivation is your own ego that's driving you, that's not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Because I think a good leader leads from their heart and their, their passion for whatever it is they're leading. And they're leading with they're leading leading with a sound mind. So it's not self-serving, it's serving 
a larger cause or a greater good. And so I guess that would be my first advice is to check yourself. <laughs> Why are you doing what you're doing? Um, if it's for yourself, that's going to be a shallow leadership and can also cause train wrecks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, you've seen that yourself. So uh, that would probably be the first thing. And the second thing would be to move forward with a flexible mind. You have to be prepared for a cha- constantly changing world. And you have to be able to move with that to continually learn and, and to continually learn about yourself. You cannot get stuck with a certain view of yourself because that will change too. So I think you really do have to think about why do I want to be a leader and how am I going to, how am I going to prepare myself to be the most effective? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, may seem strange, but a metaphor I've thought of often as a leader and just as a human, frankly, is the art of yoga. Yoga teaches you to be flexible and to bend and actually to even do movements that can be very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, it's uncomfortable to be a leader and to be forced to change when we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yet we're, we have to. <laughs> you have to be able to do it. Right. So I think that's the advice I would give is be prepared to be flexible and change, be prepared to change your mind. Excellent. Well, I can't thank you enough today for the time and the advisement and the, the insights, I think, about concerning leadership. You know, it is so very important. Uh, it is part of helping those that around these teams that they may be leading and understanding, you know, what it takes to even lead a team, it be it in, at a very high level or being in a smaller setting. But in higher ed, so critically important as you lead the next generation. So I can't thank you enough for being on the show today, Dr. Brace. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Again, for those listeners, I, I, I can't stress enough how very important it is to Make sure if you're subscribing or sharing information concerning the Pen Leader podcast, encourage your teams uh, to listen in, especially in these different fields and industries. Uh, you know, we're always trying to, uh, on the show, to get straight to the topic, strengthening your awareness and sharpening your mind. So until next time. The Pen Leader podcast is hosted by Dr. Shanda Gore and brought to you by Mace & Associates LTD, creating customized solutions for growth in the areas of leadership development, strategic planning, and culture building. Find out more at www.maceassociatesltd.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pin Leader Podcast and share with others.